We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through his word, he expresses his plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Moody. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. If you have a Bible, pick it up. Let's be in John and the 10th chapter. I'm just going to read, um, yeah, he has changed the key. So I'm going to read two verses. John chapter 10 from verse 9, and then we would be right into God's word. We stand because we honor God's word, and we're expectant in the reading of God's word. John chapter 10 from verse 9. Hey, my time can't be here. Um, start me from the top. Yeah, just at five. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> pressure 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 jesus says i am the door um if anyone enters by me he will be saved yeah thanks and we'll go in and out and find pasture the thief does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy um i have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly jesus we pray that as we lean around your word today that you're going to make it so simple that we'll understand let it be so profound that it will make a mark in our lives forever Thank you for the great things you're doing, and thank you, Lord, because it doesn't matter how the weekend went, Liverpool would win the league. We're grateful in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Now turn to somebody this morning. We sang a real spiritual song, say you'll never walk alone. And then, and then you can be seated this morning. You will never walk alone. It's so disgraceful that, you know, you draw a match and you are celebrating as if... I, I'm so ashamed of the club called Chelsea, but let's talk about football today. We are not talking about football this morning um, because Liverpool would win the league, but we are not talking about football this morning. If we talk about football this morning, Arsenal fans are already sweating, so we will not talk about football this morning. But we should be praying for Arsenal fans. It is becoming worrisome. It is no longer something to laugh about. We don't want people harming themselves or, you know, doing anything. You know, please, 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 there is hope. Um, there is hope for a tree. Please don't do anything dangerous. If you need counseling, you can speak to, to the team. You know, if you need somebody to walk through a season of life with you, you can talk to us. We're here. This is family. Don't harm yourself. Arsenal fans, please don't harm yourselves. There's still more God will do in your life, even if not in your club, but in your own life. Amen. Amen. I, I want to share with you something real quick this morning, but we're not talking about football today. So I, I want to share with you something real simple this morning that I pray the Holy Spirit is going to make real. Um, you know, last year was a very difficult year for the whole world. Maybe for the most part of last year, COVID hit and COVID hit the world really hard. Um, 2020 is that year that I think I'm going to someday be explaining to my grandchildren just the concept of the world stopping still. Like, I, I would have to explain, I, you know, the world literally stopped still. COVID um, changed a lot, you know. Um, it changed just how life happens. It, it, moved, it moved people behind the screens to the other side of the screens, basically. Um, you know, it slowed our lives down. You know, maybe you had plans and all of that. You just, you just felt stopped in many different ways. Um, and what have you, um, you know, people, people's jobs changed, you know, up till now, some people are just realizing they want to work from home, like, jobs change, you know, schools change, you know, um, people wrote exams, you know, in their bedroom, um, you know, they, they, life just basically changed in many ways, um, business, how people do business, um, even types of business, you know, um, a, a lot changed, uh, changed our lives forever. Um, but, but there were things that didn't change. There were things that didn't change, that didn't die, that were not taken away. Um, um, they were suppressed 
but I believe that they resurrected to a better life. Um, uh, for example, I, I think soccer, I think soccer was, was stopped last season. Soccer did not happen last season. Don't believe what they told you. There was no European champion last season. Um, football that is played behind closed doors is not football. Um, a part of football is the fans, all right? So football just started again this season. And, and so that's why Liverpool was on break last season, just to, to get that straight. Um, all that was happening last season was just training sessions, basically. Um, but, but it's just how some things were stopped, but they came back in full force. I, I, think, about, I, I think about the Nigerian party culture. Um, the Nigerian party culture was, was stopped, you know, it was paused. Um, but but how many of you know it came back in full force? Like, like it came, people just postponed their weddings. Like, we can't just marry. We do weddings. You understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, it, it came back. It came back um, in full force. I, and, and I really want to speak about, like, that, that party culture um, this morning. If you've ever been to, like, an Oambe, um, like, the real ones, the lavish ones, right? Um, you probably know what I'm talking about. We do, we do events. We do occasions. You know, we, you know, in Europe, somebody can say, you know, I clocked 21. But in Nigeria, you don't clock 21. You do your birthday. Ashe birthday. Do you understand? You do it, right? Um, we, we, you, 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 you pick clothes. You know, your family wears this. Uh, your mother's colleagues from her secondary school wear that. You know, your father's cooperative society members have their clothes. You know, it's just, it's just party culture. It's big. It's wild. It's loud. You know. Um, um, it's loud. People spend money. They spend money they have, spend money they don't have. They pile up debt. You know, they spend money. They, they, they beat money. One novel, you know, they, they spend, they spend um, money. Um, so, so I'm looking forward to talking to the talkers because one of the topics we're going to do this year is what the Bible says about parties and celebration. Um, Thank you to everybody who sent in topics. We're able to accommodate a number, maybe not all, but um, yeah. But but when I think about that, I think there are different types of events, um, you know, and just those lavish events and parties and that party culture. Um, but if you're in Nigeria and you're listening to me this morning, and maybe I'll particularly face the people in this building this morning, um, I just want you to be honest. I know we're in church and I know it's Sunday morning and all of that, but there's there's a part of our culture that is, um, you know built on the biblical instruction to rejoice with those who rejoice and so maybe you are just going out one day or you are just maybe you are in school or on campus who are hungry and things like that you're not necessarily invited but you are also not told not to come so it depends on how you look at it you know and you are just you know like passing and you just head rejoicing and you just thought i can basically you entered and you went to go and eat right um it's Sunday morning, it's Sunday. Don't start your week telling lies, you know. Um, it's, it's called, it's called Mugbomoya, right? Um, it's called Mugbomoya. If you don't understand your brand, you say, what does that mean? It means, I hear, I branch. You know, that's, that's basically what it means, that I hear and I branch. And um, I think biggest on that would be lawyers, because a lawyer, somebody told law to ya, you know, so. A lawyer is always branching. It's going somewhere, branching somewhere else. You are in for it today. You are in for it today. Do you know? Do you know a lawyer's best food? It's suya. A lawyer sues, yeah. So, so, so when you get to the party and you sit down, and someone comes to you and says, "You comfortable?" You say, "No, I come for food." Okay, okay, okay. So you behave yourself, okay. But that's kind of what I want to speak on today. That's what I want to speak on today. Um, 
Basically, if you want a topic to my message, I call it Mugomoya. Mugomoya. Um, Mugomoya. That's, that's really what I want to preach about today. Um, and I'll subtitle it, We Got Into Something. We, we got in. We got in on something. We got in on something. I want to preach about the grace of God this morning. And what it means for us to be people that are standing in the grace of God. You see, in John chapter 10, Jesus says those words that, you know what, I'm the door. He says, I'm the door. He, he wants you to think about him as the door. And, and then he goes on in verse 10 to say, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But look, I've come that you would have life. In other words, Jesus says, I'm the door to life. I'm the door standing. I'm that door that you come into to come into life. Jesus is introducing this concept of it's like you're trying to get into something. And he says, by putting your faith in me, because I am the door. I'm not the doorkeeper, but I'm the door itself. It is by putting your faith in me that you come into life, Jesus says. Jesus is the line between death and life. Can we remind ourselves that everything on the outside is death, everything outside is damnation, it's death, it's our human nature, it's what everything of all, every one of us was born into. We all start from the outside. Let's remind ourselves this morning, we all start from the outside. If there was ever a room that just epitomized life, if there was ever a room that just epitomized what it means to, what it means to really be alive, we all start on the outside of it. Um, but Jesus is the door. It is by putting our faith in Jesus that we come into life. It is by trusting him as savior. It is by saying it's not about ourselves, by surrendering the lordship of our lives to Jesus that we come into life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus says, I, I am the door. And, and it's, like, it, it's like you think about everything we're trying to come into and the groping and the longing of humanity to experience true life. Jesus says the thief is killing, he's stealing, he's destroying. There is deadness. On the outside but jesus says i want you to know i'm the i'm the door and let's be honest friends we all start out on the outside we are all deserving of death we are all sinners by nature it's not about what we did wrong it's about what we are it's about being descended from adam that death reigns in all we are all sinners that the bible says the wages of sin is death we are deserving of death we are deserving of the punishment of the wrath of an almighty holy god we are all sinners we deserve it's not about how many bad things we've done it's who we are we are sinners in our nature um but this amazing god so good in his grace through Jesus opens up the doors of life and says that people who were once enemies of God can now be friends of God. People who were once at enmity with God that couldn't stand before an almighty God. He says, look, I open, I love that old hymn to God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life and atonement, an atonement for sin. And listen to those words and opened the floodgates. All may come in. Like he opened it up. He opened it up that we can come in. This is the amazing savior that we have that comes and says, I want you to have life in abundance. And can we remind ourselves this morning, church, ever so often we need to be reminded that if we got in on life, if we got in and if we got to that door and we stepped in, it's not because there was a gate fee that we paid with our sacrifice. If there was ever a gate fee, we could not afford it. It's not because we were qualified to step in. If there was ever qualifications, we were disqualified. But if we get into life, it is because we put our faith in Jesus. What gets us in? It's the price that he paid for us. And if, you know, we walk in on the conversation and we got it free. But may we never think that it was cheap. It was costly. He paid a price that we deserved. He died a death that we deserved so that we can have a life that we never deserved. And so today I want to just open our eyes and open our awareness to, to what we stepped in on. I want to say to you this morning, friends, we got in on something. Can you help me look at somebody this morning and say, we got in on something, friend. 
We got in on something. What a party we got in on. In Psalm 5 and verse 11, it says, But you will welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. It says, Let the party last all night. Stand guard over our celebrations. You are famous, God, for welcoming God's seekers, for decking us out in delight. We got in on something. And you know what I found about our party culture, especially in a part of the world like this, is that the party eventually looks like the one who throws the party the party eventually looks like the one who throws the party the biggest deal of this conversation is not that we stepped into a door it's what the door leads into uh, so what i'm saying is that there are many doors right it's a door that leads into prison okay it's a door that leads into a cage some of you know when you're entering the door of your house and it's just depression like it's a door it's uh, here we are again you know it's a door but it's also a door that leads into liberty it's a door that leads into life and when we think about this i want you to realize that you know what we stand in it's really not about that we stepped into a door but the party will look like the person who threw the party when you go to a rich man's party suddenly you are rich that's what i'm saying to you when you go to a rich man's party you are rich let me ask all of you when last when last on your own budget did you eat chinese rice when last it was the throw of the party you are living in his abode. are you hearing what i'm saying this morning you go to a rich man's party, you're asking that they, they have not served wine. When last in your house did you pop wine to be happy? But here you are, because you went into a rich man's party, suddenly you become a rich person. That's what I'm saying to you, that the party is a leveler. And in the same way you went to a poor man's party, do you know in that moment you are poor? I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what you have, who you know, what you can afford. In that moment when they say you two people share one moment, you will share it. You understand what I'm saying? In a poor man's party, you become poor. At the end of the day, the party is all about the person who threw the party. The party looks like the person who threw the party. And that's what I'm saying this morning, friends, that when we step in on God's party, Jesus is not just a door. He's a door that leads to abundant life. He's a door that leads to the abundance of God. He's that door. Listen to Psalm 36 verse 7. Look at God's party. It says, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of men take refuge and put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Now look at this. They relish and feast on the abundance of your house. God's house got some abundance, people. And you cause them to drink of the streams of your pleasures. Party looks like the one who threw the party. The party looks like the one who threw the party. Nigerian culture, I think, really gets this really good. Sometimes you're talking to somebody in some parts of the world and they say, oh, you know, I'm getting married. All my friends will come and they will all pay for their lunch. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it's done here. How it's done here is you throw the party, you go into debt. You, do you understand what I'm saying? It's your party, all right? We come, and when we're going, you still give us souvenirs. Do you understand? I say, you still bless us with gifts. So when you go to a rich man's party and you're going home, look at all the things you are carrying. You are carrying. You went for somebody's wedding the other day. You are going home with iPhone. You are going, you understand what I'm saying, right? 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 And you went for another wedding. The souvenir they gave you is broom. All right? Um, yeah. What, what, what I'm just trying to say is that the bills of the party lie on the one who calls the party. The bills of the party lie on the one who calls the party. The bills, the, the party pays for it. The party pays for it. Never seen a waiter walk up to me in a party. This is how we do. This is our culture, people. And you say, can I have this? The waiter brings it. You say, can I have that? I want this party. I bring it, bring it, bring it. And you eat it. And the waiter, yeah. You never seen a waiter walk up to me and I, I ask for something and he says, how much is in your pocket? It's not about how much is in my pocket. It's about the one who threw the party. The bills of the party lie on the one who calls the party. And when I think about that, friends, I just want to say this is what grace looks like. 
this is what grace looks like this is this is what grace looks like in my estimation i i think i don't have breakfast this morning so i always like to demonstrate a message on a good day that the bills of the party lie on the one who throws the party so i just want you to be meditating about this friends that whatever is in the party is what we get to be in on this morning i'm one of the theologians who believe and argue with all my heart that when we get to the marriage supper of the lamb we're going to start out with chicken they'll just use chicken to welcome us that well done good and faithful servant just first of all be meditating on that chicken there you know stuff like that some of you will go to heaven and be asking for fish it's not available no. the bills table manners don't talk while eating bills of the party right from the one when you become a pastor pick any message you want to preach and illustrate it that's all Next week, when I'm preaching on hell, I will not illustrate. <laughs> Bill. The bills of this message lie on the church that I'm preaching it to. You had better, finance committee, better take note. <laughs> yeah. Be thinking about it now. Is it calm down? What is it? Chicken is good, actually, to be honest. This particular one. Yeah, just last. I promise, last. Ish. I had, I had somebody. I stumbled on someone's status yesterday. I was now the pastor, a popular pastor. I was saying, now, hey, pastor, on Sunday morning, you're eating breakfast. You're not serious. And I'm like, honestly, you shouldn't eat breakfast. But you can now eat it in church. <laughs> yeah. But, but do, you know, do you know what I want you to know this morning, friends? This, this is what grace looks like. This is what grace looks like. And in that moment, whatever I get to eat, it's not about who I am, it's about what I got in on. The bills of the party lie on the one who threw the party. This is what grace looks like. This is what grace looks like. It looks like Jesus who is the door and he brings us in. He brings us into the abundance of God. And we're like, we don't even deserve this. I, I feel like a Mogomo here. Like, I don't even deserve this. I was, I was, I, I'm not, I don't even, I'm, I'm an enemy of God. I don't even deserve, but I got in on something. And because I got in on it, no waiter has a right to tell me, but you can't afford that. But, but you don't look like that kind of person, but you don't. I got in on something and because of the party, I I got in on 
You know that in that moment when I stand to say that I have been made righteous, it's not about the righteousness of myself, it's because I got in on something. Suddenly I'm standing in a righteousness that was paid for by God who brought me in on his party. When I stand up to say I'm living my life with peace, it's not because I don't have anxieties and all of that, it's because I got in on something. I got in on a God who says that he himself, Ephesians 2 and verse 14, he himself is my peace. And I live in a broken world and I live in all the pain. But listen, friends, I got in on something. It's not about what I can afford. It's about a God who threw a party and brought me in on it. Through Jesus, I got in on something. When I start to say that I have life, I have life. It's not about how hard I've worked. It's not about what I could earn. It's not about what I could make happen. When I start to say that I have life, I have abundant life. When I start to rejoice in it. Listen, friends, it's not about us. In that moment, the truth is sometimes you are eating things in that party and you know if it is left to myself and they will just say, oh yeah, everybody pay. You know that you cannot afford it. But glory to God, he paid the bills for it. Glory to God, he brought us in on something, people brought us in on something that's why Paul would say if we have a boasting you sit down in the party if you have a boasting Paul would say our boasting is in the cross of Jesus Do you, it doesn't make sense how can I be in the party and I'm flashing my chicken across the table and say my chicken is bigger than your chicken it doesn't even make sense if I have a boasting it's in the one who threw the party it's what brought me in on this if I ever have a boasting about my life, friends, if I ever have anything to say, wow, look at what God is, and I will never be apologetic about the working of God's grace in my life. If I ever have a boasting, a boasting is in the cross of Jesus that brought me from death to life, that brought me from a life of emptiness. It's just the privilege of grace. And I've told you before about grace that we stand in. And I've always tried to emphasize that grace would always work four steps in your life. And I pray you would never forget. I've told you about the first thing grace will always do is that it would work repentance in our hearts. So God, by his grace, brings us in on something. But the truth is, truth is sometimes, yeah, that guy sitting in the party, I'm really dirty. I'm not even dressed appropriately. I've never even been in this kind of place before. The truth is, I'm in an experience that I don't even look like. You know what grace will start to do? Grace will start to work repentance in your heart. Do you know what repentance is? Because you hear repentance and maybe you think of it in a, in a sorrowful way. Repentance is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance is simply an elevation to the standard of grace. Repentance puts the light on you in such a way that you realize I'm far away from the standard of grace. Repentance is you seeing the gap between where I am and the life grace calls me to. Repentance shows you the full weight of your wrong. Repentance is not kind of, kind of, no. Repentance is a full acknowledgement. I'm messed up. I messed up. I'm dirty. I don't know how to do this. I did it wrong. I, they gave me cutlery. They gave me fork and knife. I don't know how to handle it. I'm holding the knife wrong. Repentance is an acknowledgement of wrong. You see, repentance is a gracious working of God. Showing you that you are actually called to more. That you are living less than. It's not, it's not love to it's not love to just you know keep you less than. Repentance is the full light that shows you, wow, look at me. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is not right. And all I can say in the place of repentance, friends, is may grace teach us to never harden our hearts. May we not be the kind of Christians that just look at, we don't repent, we don't repent, we just make patches on what was wrong, we just don't want to talk about it, don't want to think about it, you know, it's just one of those things. Listen, it's not just one of those things. If we don't walk through repentance, we will never see the full weight of our wrong. 
And because we don't see the full weight of our wrong, then we will never understand the full weight of God's forgiveness. So what repentance does is that it's like unclothing you in one moment, but you know the next step of grace, it's forgiveness. Because repentance births forgiveness. And so it's like an unclothing that leads to a clothing. It's just mysterious how God does it. That in the full weight of the light that shows me my wrong, it shows me his own help, his own forgiveness, his own mercy. In that, But if I never acknowledge the wrong, if I don't see the full weight of that wrong, then I would never understand. That's why, because we just kind of patch up around sin, you know. Sin, sin, you don't even use words like sin. It's just like I have a bad habit. You know, kind of, things kind of went out. Gray areas. It's sin. It's criminality. It's breaking the heart of God. It is, it is, it is deserving of death. It's not about it's one small one. Listen, he that is guilty of one is guilty of all. It's, it's breaking the heart of God. It is, it, is, uh, it is criminality. We deserve to die. When we see the full weight in repentance, then we would really understand the mercy and forgiveness. So the second thing grace does is that it doesn't just work repentance. It works repentance to lead us to forgiveness. Repentance leads us to the goodness of God. It leads us to the forgiveness that is in Jesus. Oh, I'm so grateful. We got in on something. What I got in on birth forgiveness. I'm so grateful of myself. I'm messed up. I'm a sinner of myself. I'm, I'm deserving of death. But I'm so grateful I got in on the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus. But you know the truth is it doesn't just leave us there. It takes us a third step. Grace will take you a third step. Grace will not just lead you to a place of what was wrong and what God has forgiven and like God says, it doesn't count against you. Forgiveness is beautiful in that statement of God does not count it against you. But listen, grace will start to teach you. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, teaching us, teaching us. Grace will start to teach you. Grace will start to teach you that, you see the reason why you are struggling eating this chicken, eh? It's always falling down from the plate. The reason why is that you are not holding the cutlery right. This is how to hold it. This is what to do. Grace will start to teach you. Grace becomes a training. Do you understand what I'm saying? Grace will start to train you and teach you. It will confront you with knowledge that you didn't have before. The word of God, it's not just a self-help book. It is a training manual. It trains us. It teaches us what to do and what not to do. If the word of God cannot set rule over your life, please don't quote verses and that you kind of like. I believe we must learn again in our generation to embrace the word of God as a way to live. Grace must be able to teach us and instruct us. There are things you don't do. It is not right. Grace will tell you. There's a wisdom with which to build your life. Any grace that would always forgive you but will not teach you for next time is wicked. Every time you come back crying, I've done it again. And it doesn't tell you that tomorrow you are going to sleep in that guy's house again to do it again. Any grace that will not teach you that it's not just that God forgives fornicators. Listen, the Bible says flee fornication. Flee. Do you hear that word flee? Do you, do you, do you, flee. If I say, where is that guy? And I say he's fleeing. Do you, do you know what flee sounds like? Flee. Grace will teach you in all areas of your life. Grace will teach you how to handle your temper. Grace will teach you. I've just got busy there. Grace will teach you. Hey, come on. We're in a training school. Do you know? That by stepping in on Christ Jesus, we came into a trade. He loves us so much not to leave us the way we were. Grace will teach you. Grace will give you a life group to belong. So that when you start talking, you will start. Grace will tell you to go for connect. Grace will tell you to, to belong to your country. You are building your business. You are building your business. Hang out with the twist. You will not go. You see, my business is twisted. It's twisted back. Grace will teach you. It's going to put you in environments to be taught. 
I'm so grateful. One of the things I'm grateful for in the grace of Jesus, what I got in on, is that I got in on voices that can speak to my head. I'm grateful. You see, every, every one of us, at some level or the other, has the capacity. Anytime I miss my words, I need to chicken sort it. Every one of us, at some level or the other, has the capability, you see. For screwing our head to be loose. Every one of us, though. It's not only you, it's all of us. Every member of our church, from the first time guest to the pastor, every one of us. Screwing our head has the capacity to be loose. Some days it is just not, but I'm grateful that grace will put voices in my life. Instruct me that way. Do you understand? Ah, if our lives look like the depth of foolish choices we have wanted to make, we may not we we will not be here. Ah, you are not the only foolish person. We all have it. You know what I'm talking about. Now. That day that you said from today, what? That's what I'm saying. The day that you said it's over. It's over. We are definitely rope. Grace. So you now made the mistake of calling someone and saying, Would you know where they sell rope? Maybe it was deliberate too. I'm grateful for the grace of Jesus. That has not left me to be foolish. Grateful for the grace of Jesus. That has not left me to be foolish. Teaches me to build my life in this day and age. Teaches me how to raise my children. Teaches me how to. Uh, Christ, don't, don't teach you how to rescue children. I don't. Ah. Uh-huh. I mean, who wants to adopt? Who wants to buy? You know, just... Grace will teach you. Grace will. Your marriage will still. You are, your, you are both Christians. But those ones, they are not born again. That's the problem. Don't so, even know the spirit that they are not They are part of the Lord. Amen. You know what I'm saying, right? Why are they on their journey to. You understand what I'm saying? Grace will. Fourth thing that I believe grace would always do is that it would not just teach us, but it would empower us. So Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, My grace is, is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Grace comes as power. Grace comes as an impartation of power. That he's not just telling you this is how to hold it. Something in you is receiving an impartation to be able to do it. Grace is not just giving you a picture of your life. Something in you is receiving an impartation to be able to live up to that standard. That's what grace looks like. And I just want to say that we've gotten on something. And my encouragement to us today is that because of what Jesus has brought us in on, I pray that we're going to walk the journey of what we got in on. That we're not going to be people that got in on this party and the abundance of what God is doing in this space of grace. We're not going to be people that stop short on it, that short change it. We're going to be people that walk the journey that grace has brought us into. We got in on something. So being Christ Jesus is not just a religious inclination or, you know, just some box we tick or something. To be in Christ Jesus is to get in on the grace of God. It's to be in something. It's a story of grace. Listen, to be in the grace of God, to be in this is a story that God is telling in our lives. And my encouragement today is that we're yielded to it. What's on the menu here? When I sit down in a party, the truth is it may not be on my table yet, but it's beautiful when it's already in the party. 
And that's why I want you to think about the grace of Jesus. It may not be on your table yet. You may be in that party and you're looking and you're saying, oh, here I am. And you know, the truth is many times we think so big about the temporary things of our lives that we miss the eternal realities. And it may not be on your table yet, but I want to say today it's in the party. You may be going through a season of your life and, you know, you're, you're, you're in trouble, you are in a crisis, you are in, you are in pain or you are in a season that is not adding up and, and all of that. But, but I pray that the biggest reality of your life will be that I am in Christ Jesus. I may be in a country that is confused. I may be in a situation. We may be in an economy. We can be in any of those things. But the biggest reality that determines our lives is that we are in Christ Jesus. Because if we are in the party, even if it's not on our table, it's in the party. It's in the bill of the party. Even if it's not on my table, there's just that beauty. Do you know when you're in a party and they haven't yet served you? But you've seen what is moving around. There's that beauty. It's coming here. It's coming here. That's what I'm saying about the grace of Jesus. Even if in your life, maybe I haven't yet experienced healing in an area of my life. I'm still walking the journey to get that right. It's okay. But I want you to see what's in the party. The Bible says that we have all of these things as witnesses that have gone before us. So that we can know. We are imitators of those who through faith and patience have obtained the promises. So that we know that there's something happening here. It's in the party. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses so let us therefore run the race that is set before us it's in the party people it's in the party it may not be on my table but it's on the menu oh, it's on the menu it's it's on the menu and i may be in a season of brokenness right now but listen joy is in this party joy is in this party there's something called a joy that overflows it is in this party people and i'm walking through a season of my life that is difficult i don't have it here but that's the privilege you have of calling the waiter of calling the word listen to what jesus says in in john 16 verse 24 he said until now you did not ask anything in my name be asking and you will receive in order that your joy will be full you know when we sit in this party we ask it in his name that's what it means to be in a party when you call a waiter in a party and you say i want this you're asking it in the name of the person who threw that party it's on his bill jesus says you didn't ask anything in my name until now but now i've done the big one for you so that now you're in you can ask and you will receive that your joy will be full anybody here that says i don't feel that thing of my joy being full i'm not there that's what he said he said ask and you'll receive it's a beauty of being in on the big one. That's what we must never make like. The world making feel is just one of those things to be a Christian. It is not just one of those things. It is the line between death and life. I got in on something when I said yes to Jesus. Because my yes is so big and powerful. But because he had said the big yes. So my yes to his yes got me in on something. I got in on something when I said yes to Jesus. It's a faith over fear. It's in the party. It's on the menu. It may not be on your table, but it's in the party. It's in the menu. It may not be on your table, but it's in the party. It's in the party, people. It is a peace that passes understanding. It's in the party. The kind of peace I need in 2021 Nigeria is a type that passes understanding. It must pass understanding. Just what I'm saying. If you're going to have peace, it must pass. You can't understand how you have it. It may not yet be on your table, but it's in the party. It's in the party. It's paid for already. It's in the party. It's a life that overflows. It's the sufficiency of grace. And I want you to think of yourself sometimes. And prayer takes on a beautiful place. Prayer becomes beautiful when you pray out of that awareness. That I'm not praying and asking a waiter to go and bring what is not known that exists. You understand? Have you been to a restaurant before? You know there's some restaurants that they print their menu five years ago, but they never have anything on that menu. You know those type of restaurants that you now go there, you say, oh wow, let me have your um, chicken wings. <laughs> we don't have. Let me have your ribs. We don't have. Let me have your... Just tell me what you have. Just, just, just. 
Don't make it simple, right? But they just printed and laminated this thing that is all, you know. It's one thing to be praying with that mindset of it's not in the party where I shall ask it. It's another thing to know that, you know, when we gave our hearts to Jesus, we stepped in on something. And I'm telling a waiter, I'm instructing, I'm standing in the place of prayer. I'm standing, receiving in the place of prayer because it's in the party. I'm engaging God. I'm standing in my spiritual authority. Prayer takes on a beautiful new approach, a beautiful new awareness when we understand that it's in the party. It may not be on my table, but that's why it's in the party and I'm bringing it to my table. I just want to say, friends, this thing is not a joke. I, I encourage everybody today, quit. If all you do around this whole thing and this whole conversation of the grace of Jesus is, you know, you just play God games. You kind of, are you in? Are you out? We don't even know. You first of all enter, then you say, yeah, come, you want to go and use the toilet. You have been out for the last one hour. You know, they were serving things you didn't get. You came back, you said, ah, when did you? You went back to greet somebody at the junction. Are you in? Are you out? It's not God games. At some point, the experience will come real. When you understand what it means to say, I got in on something. It's not about God games. Quit the cycles. Quit all that. Like, let's know what we're in. Sometimes I feel like telling people, okay, sit down in the name of Jesus. Sit down and know what you are in on. Like, it's not some, uh, where are you? And are you there? Are you not there? Let's, let's just know. Quit on the God games. This thing is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's not a joke. Okay, let me get to where I want to go today. This is where I'll just land. This morning, um, it's one thing to be in the party, but maybe the bigger question is how you interpret the party. Because I believe that the party actually has a meaning. The party has a meaning. So what I want you to think about this morning is that grace has a lot of things that it does, but grace has what it means. Look at Luke chapter 15. You know the story of the prodigal son and all of that. And then he went away and all. When he came back home in verse 25, and the father throws a party. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked. Listen to what he asked. He said, what, I'm asking what these things mean. I'm, I know I'm hearing a party. What does it mean? Let me explain this to you. So, so grace has a meaning. Grace is not just a sound you hear. It has a meaning. Let me explain it to you. Imagine grace in any context. Grace, that graciousness. Imagine it in any context. Imagine that you are a student, a female student, and it's exam period, and results are to be released tomorrow. And then a male lecturer that you know is kind of, you know, shady, calls you and says, where are you going? Let me give you a lift. Let me take you anywhere you are going. It's gracious. But it has a meaning. Right? It means something. I want to get. Or somebody just walks in and says, and, and, and the person has been, you know, on your case in some way or the other, and the person just comes and says, you know, I just want to give you this money. And it's gracious, but it has a meaning. What I'm saying is, we cannot, as Christians, just be in a conversation of what grace does. We must be in a conversation of what does it mean? What does grace mean? That's where I'm going today because the father goes on to say, your brother has come and he has received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the father's calf, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, these many years I have been serving, you have never transgressed your commandment. You never gave me a young goat, but as soon as this son of, son of yours, when you call your brother son of yours, you, you know what he really said. This son of, uh, uh, you know, as soon as this son of yours, 
who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted cow. Verse 31, the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. This body means something. You are always with me and all that I have is yours. Don't just be a recipient of what grace does. We must ask what grace means. So let me tell you three things that I believe grace means and I'll be done this morning. The first thing I'm going to say to you is that I believe grace means that we are products of the generosity of God. And we must never cease to be grateful. We are products of the generosity of God. We must never cease to be grateful. A sound of grace means that we are products, that God in Jesus has done the big one about our lives. We are products of the generosity of God. And we must never cease to be grateful. And I know honestly, sometimes you are in one thing or the other. You are in one situation or the other. You are in one season or the other. But I pray today that you would remember that the biggest reality of your life is that you are in Christ Jesus. When you are in Christ Jesus, God has done the big one. And for that, we must never cease to be grateful. Within the party, there might be things to sort out. There might be what has not yet happened, what has not yet gotten to my table, what I have not yet experienced, what I'm waiting to happen. But listen, I get to be in on something. God has done the big one in Jesus. I already, because of Jesus, have a life that I don't deserve in all eternity. Because of Jesus, I have found grace and forgiveness that I could never earn. God has done the big one. I pray today that we can remind ourselves that our heart posture as Christians must always be gratitude. You never have a reason not to be grateful. Because of the grace of Jesus, God has done the big one. You never have a reason as a Christian not to be grateful. You never have a reason as a Christian not to be grateful. You never do. You may go through a season of your life and it's okay, but once you look to the door and you remember, hey, you know what, I got to be in on something. Let me remember that outside of this door was death. Outside of this door was what I deserved. Outside of this door was the damnation and the consequences of my sin. Outside of this door is the life I really deserve. But because of Jesus who says I'm the door, I come in to be in a life that I never deserve. A Christian never has an excuse not to be grateful. A Christian is never without a day where you don't have... Listen, you, you focus on all those things. This is still happening. The waiter has not yet served my table on that. And I know, and I know it's real. We all live in this world. I know stuff happens. But the truth is, as a Christian, you always have a reason to be grateful. Because of Jesus. This is people that were enemies of God. That are now friends of God. Did you hear what the father said to the son? The son is saying... You didn't give me a young goat. That's my grouse. You didn't give me a young goat. That's why I'm angry. The father says to him, You are with me. You are with me. The father is saying to him, Do you know how I want you to think about this? You are with me. When last did you as a Christian just value the privilege of I'm with God? And he says, Look, because you are with me. Did you hear what he said? All that I have is yours. You are with me. You got to be in here. Everything in this party is actually yours. It may not yet be on your table, but I'm just showing you. The father said the big one is that you are with me. But you're angry that the goat has died. No, but he said you are with me. When last were you just grateful for the privilege of access with God? With God. That me, I am in a right standing with an almighty God. He's angry that you have not given me a young goat. Everything I have is yours. I'm a friend of God. On the same page with God. May we not 
allow just the pressures of life and everything. We all live in this world, okay? We do. But may we not allow the pressures of this life to just make us not even see what is really happening. We got in on something. Come look at somebody next to you this morning and say, we got in on something. We got in on something. Second big idea I'll say to you this morning, number one is that because of the grace of God, we are products of the generosity of God. The second thing that I believe grace must always mean to us is that we are blessed and we must embrace the heart of a steward. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. And we must embrace the heart of a steward. We are blessed, people. We are blessed. When last did you just remind yourself, because of who Jesus is to me, I'm blessed. I, and I know you hear that word, I'm blessed, and you're just thinking about when this happens in my life, when that happens. Listen, listen, listen. The big one is in Jesus. The big one is what I got to be in on. Because of who Jesus is to me, I am blessed. Because I got to enter into that door, I am blessed. Because of who Jesus is to me, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. May not have everything I want to have. May not be everywhere I want to have, but I am blessed because of who Jesus is to me. May we never forget, may we never forget that the big conversation here is whether we are inside or outside. And at some point, I just want to say, at some point in this conversation of grace, at some point in this conversation of grace, we must start to embrace the heart and the passion of the party. Um, because listen to me, what happens is that the party starts and, you know, um, if you've ever done the homo gomoya thing, you, you know those moments you get to when somebody even comes and says, what, what party is it? Is it even a birthday party or wedding? You don't even know. Is it, you know, is the man 60 or 70? I don't know. Is, I, I'm not even sure, you know. But I'm here. I'm eating on the party, right? And there's that picture I want you to have of somebody who goes in and, you know, that moment where they say, everybody, can we all stand up and receive the couple and all of that? He sits down, he's eating his own. Waiter, give me more wine. Give me wine now. You know, eating his own, packing into the bag, you know, all of that. And they say, ah, the chairman's remarks were really profound. I didn't hear anything. At some point, we need to embrace what the party is all about. It's the heart of the party. And I believe it calls us to a space of stewardship. It's a passion of the party. Grace has a passion. Listen to me well. The passion of grace is not to fulfill your appetite. The passion of grace is to build God's kingdom. The passion of grace is not for your appetite. The passion of grace is to build the kingdom of God. And, and does grace fill your appetite? Yes, it does. But is that the end point? Listen, the story of grace is not that we stand in our story and we bring in grace to tell our story. The story of grace is a story in itself that God implicates us in. Grace is a story by itself that God is telling. And he gives us the privilege to feature in his story. Grace is not about your story. The privilege of grace is not that grace should come and fulfill my five-year plan. Listen, God has an eternal plan. Your five-year plan better take the shape of God's eternal plan. God has an eternal plan. In 1202, where were you? God was already working his eternal plan. In 762 BC, where were you? God was already, in fact, from the foundations of the world, God was working his eternal plan. When you are dead and gone, if Jesus has not come, 200 years after you, God will still be working his eternal plan. So you wake up and you want to bring the whole story of grace into your five-year plan. It's just foolish. Your five-year plan better be taking the shape of what is God's eternal plan. And I'm telling you, the eternal plan of God is about building a kingdom. He will use people, but the fulfilling of your appetite is not the ultimate of grace. The ultimate of grace is to build his kingdom. Are you hearing me this morning? 
embrace the heart and the passion of the party. At some point, you better sit down in that party and realize it's not about how much I'm shouting orders to the waiters and getting all I want. At some point, I have to ask, what does this party mean? Why is there this grace? Is it a scam? Why are you being so... Is it... What did I get in on? There's a passion to it. Look at chapter 14. Speaking about one of these party stories that Jesus told in verse 22. The servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and there is still room. Verse 23, the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Do you know that the one that threw the party that you got in on is passionate? He's passionate about bringing his house to be full. And we have said it before in our church, if you come into the building every week you walk in, you see those words, our church is not filled, it's not full when the seats are filled. Our church is full when the world is empty. It's not just about our church, it's the story of the universal church of Christ. The church is not full when the seats are filled. The church will only be full when the world is empty. Do you have that kind of passion? Do you understand that's the passion of the grace towards you? It's a passion that says, look, compel. Do you see the word he uses? Compel. compel is a strong word. It's a false word he actually uses. You see that there's still space in my house. How do we have the privilege as recipients of the grace of God to interact with people all through the week? And, you know, we're just nice people. We're kind of kind people. You know, we talk about everything else. But when it comes to taking people from darkness into light, it's nothing to us. I just want to say that we must have lost the passion of what grace is all about grace is a passion that says i found something when everybody in your scripture encountered jesus nobody met jesus go read nobody met jesus and it became a private thing you would encounter jesus you go and call your family you go and call your household you go and call the people you know you go and tell your friends i think i found something the samaritan woman went to call a whole city when she was not even sure she said i think he may be the messiah there's something about encountering jesus that compels us to go out and say that the house of God must be full. And I say again, it, I, I emphasize that it is the universal church because the conversation in our generation becomes a conversation of, you know, one corner of light to another corner of light. No, we are called to bring men from darkness into light. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, it's not a church recycling arrangement. No, it's about seeing that people are in deadness and they need life. It's about seeing that people are in darkness and they need light. People are far away from God. They need to be reconciled with God. And we must take on a passion about that. A recipient of grace must take on the posture of a steward. Because I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Something the grace of God is to me. Gives you the heart of a steward. It's amazing. People are dying of hunger on the outside. And we're busy telling somebody in another corner, I think my chicken is sweeter than your chicken in that corner of the party. You come from your corner to my corner. I think it's just foolish. People are dying of hunger on the outside. Do you understand what's actually going on? I pray that God will save our generation from church recycling. And will become passionate about going into the world. You have them there on your contact list. Scroll through your phone. You know, you know, if one day I was with somebody, I almost slapped him. a member of church years ago. The guy he was with, and he's like, oh, this is my friend. I'm like, hi, hey, and the guy, I'm not profiling, I'm not judging, but hey, yeah, you need Jesus, yeah. And I remember the guy left, and then he was like, Pastor, I, I didn't think I could like invite this kind of person to church. I wanted to slap him. So who should you? He's not the Christian, exactly, exactly. Grace has a meaning. It shows us that there's real hunger that God brought us out of. When we realize that we are positioned to be in the conversation of what grace is passionate about. I'm blessed. 
But there's still space. There's space. That's what the, that's what the master says. There's still space. There's space. There's space. We're blessed. Must embrace the responsibility of stewards. My final point this morning. Um, Grow towards the heart of what the party is all about, right? Finally, this morning, what does grace mean? Third big idea that I hope you would remember. One, that we must, we're products of the generosity of God. If I have a life, I'm a product of the generosity of God. And I must never cease to be grateful. Two, that grace has a heart and a passion about it and it must make me a steward. Thirdly, this morning, grace means that receivers of grace must be gracious. Grace means that receivers of grace must be gracious and generous. Must be more gracious and generous. I want to say to us this morning, the end point of grace is not a revelation. The end point of grace is not that you can now preach a message on grace. You can quote several scriptures on grace. The end point of grace is a heart posture that it brings to you. The end point of grace is a way you behave, not something you say. Are you hearing me this morning? We live in a generation of Christianity where everybody wants to break rev on grace. Grace, dimension of grace, Greek word for grace. But we are becoming less and less gracious, but we are talking more about grace. I just want to say to you today, the end point of grace is that it works a heart posture on you. The receivers of grace must be gracious people. If we have truly found grace, it must be making us something. It must be transforming our behavior. Our behavior! Not just our words. Grace becomes a behavior that we embrace. How did you get into this party? You know, you know I, I don't know if you've been to a party before, but you got into a party and you know the whole party was going on and there was just all this lavishing going on and all of that. People were eating what they don't deserve and all of that. And here is one guy in the party slapping somebody else, shouting, fighting. You're almost trying to say, why exactly? What is, like, look at what you got in on. How does all the grace you have received not transform you? That's what Jesus taught about. Jesus would teach and say, the one that is forgiven must become a forgiver. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you teach on grace and you are criticizing people and tearing. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you understand so much about grace that everybody else is useless. I don't know how you do it. A true picture of grace does not end in a revelation. A revelation must birth a heart transformation. Grace is something we become. We become more gracious. We see how the light of God shines. Look at who God is to me. How will you not be gracious? How are you forgiven and you don't forgive? How have you been forgiven so much and you don't, you don't take on a posture? Grace, birth. The end point of grace is not a revelation of grace. A revelation must be leading to a heart posture. The end point of grace. At some point, maturing in grace. Oh, I'm trying to grow in the grace of God. Yes. Grace be multiplied. Yes. At some point maturing in grace is not about praying more it's not about saying it more it's not about explaining it better no it's not about explaining it better if you have family meeting and you want to know the rich person in your family it's not the person that can say money in 10 languages oh goodie money the person that they're discussing and just say stop and drops it and goes it's not this is what I'm saying it's not talk do you understand what I'm saying some point maturing in grace it's not about how many hours you pray eh? how many times you go to church how many scriptures on grace you can quote in different translations check that out in the passion translation start from KJV maturing in grace is taking on a heart posture of graciousness pray so that you'll be gracious Read script so that you understand. Cram it, quote it so that it will change your life.
maturing in grace is that that same grace we have received changes us. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8, Jesus puts it this way. He says, freely you have received. Look at that last line. Freely you have received. So, somebody that's received freely, freely give. That's how it works. That you, wow, I got it on the body of God. I got it all free. Exactly. It must make you generous. Exactly. Generosity is a hard posture of one that has experienced the grace of God. Do you know why we are generous? Do you know why we are not generous sometimes? Because we think of our generosity as a statement of ourselves being givers. You think it makes you a giver. I'm a giver. Ha, huh, I've been given. Listen, listen, listen. Nobody is first of all a giver. Everybody is first of all a receiver. You can only give because you have received. Everybody, what you have, the scripture says that you did not receive. And so if you are thinking of yourself as a giver, you're already missing the point. Generosity comes when you realize I am a receiver. Look at, look at. You say, I'm, I'm giving my tithe. Wait, you are giving your tithe because you have received the food. That's what I'm saying. God has blessed. So my response, giving is my response. It's not the initiating of the conversation. People that understand the sound of grace will be gracious people. They'll be generous people. When I say generosity, I'm not just saying with your money. It, 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 like I said the other day, I preached on guys. It's not about money. Hmm? It's not about money. So it becomes about money. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, on, it's not about money. Your relationship with your wife is not about money. So it must become about money. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not about money. Hmm? Relationship with your babe, your date, it's not about your money. They're not after your money. It's not about money. So it must become about your money. Money. Think about it in every way. I want to live a generous life. I pray. I pray with all my heart because we live in a broken world and in a fallen planet. But I pray with all my heart that the culture of this world will not stamp itself on me. That because I live in a world with a broken culture, then I forget my grace culture. Grace has a culture, friends. I pray I'm not going to be living my life with a culture of need and a culture of suspicion. A culture that 2021 Nigeria will stamp on. I mean, it will stamp it on you. There you are, claiming street wisdom. But you are just developing a coldness in your heart. The Bible would say these words that Jesus was moved with compassion. When last did compassion move you? If Jesus was moved with compassion in Israel of uh, BC, I think that in Nigeria of 2021, we should, be, we should be burning with compassion. What people are going through. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where the world is now. What was in the world? We didn't need the people who have that. My leather sandal is not new. My robe. You know, what were they doing? But Jesus was moved with compassion. It's not it. There's no aviation. There's, it's not it to even be, you know, attractive. That you know, when, when, have you not read your Bible before? Uh, what this guy's name? Um, Akan. Akan. Eh? Akan wanted to steal. He wanted to steal Babylonian garments. <laughs> but, but we all know. You know when David would just say things like, "Lord, you alone are my desire." David for you to say that in the day and age in which you live. What else are you desiring? The man, check out Nebidum's camel. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we all know that yeah, it's not that you don't desire God, though, but it's just that along with God, a few other things that, that even make serving God better. You just Abby? But don't let a culture of need stamp itself on you. There's a culture of grace. 
Jesus was moved with compassion. At last did compassion move your heart. At last did your heart just burn with compassion. Let me tell you what I'm saying this morning. You know, when you get to the party at some point in the party, let me tell you who is really the son. Walking to the party of this 70-year-old man, they're celebrating him and all of that, and he's sitting on the high table. Tim, come, I'm almost done. And let me tell you who is really the son in that party. man is sitting on the high table and wow, people are speaking about him and waiters are serving, he has paid for the party, they're, they're lavishing, everybody's getting more than they knew they could get it's, it's everywhere and all of that but at some point, somebody in that party is looking at the high table and is realizing that there's a look on this man's face, he's looking at the side of the hall he's looking at the side of the hall, he looks unhappy about something going on and in the place where everybody is shouting, waiter, give me more. This person, do that, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in the party. So somebody is saying, Dad, what's it? Is there something I can do for you? Are you okay? Is there something on your heart? Is there something? I'll tell you who really is the son. The son is the one who is not just sitting down and saying, I've not finished my own food. The son is the one who would even leave his food. And you're even trying to tell him, but eat your food. And he's telling you, I know I'll be fine. It's not even about my food. It's not even about my hunger. Lord, I'm seeing something on dad's face. Dad looks unhappy about something. Dad looks like something is happening. Like, dad, what is it? Dad is unhappy that some people have not been served. Dad, it, you know, on your wedding day, you're going to have different kinds of people attend if you're not yet married. You're going to have different kinds of people. You're going to have the people that will come and meet you after and tell you that we didn't even get food. You're going to have the people that didn't even need to be given an instruction. They rolled up their sleeves. And they were helping people that didn't have food get food. Let me tell you who really is a son in that party. The son in that party is the one that is going towards the father and saying, what's on your heart? I know you've done all of this, but what is on your heart? You don't just come in here like some mobomo, yeah, I'm sitting down, I'm just trying to fight for everything. I've seen people before, you want to even chain them. What is, you, get, you pack, you eat everything, you're packing inside, bad, you're doing all of that. Shabit, they pay for it. Shabit, what is it? It's like your attitude in all of this. But your attitude in all of this, that heart that is saying there is a reason why grace is so generously poured out. There is something on the heart of the Father. There is something on the heart of the Father. I get to be in a conversation of grace. When last? When last? When last? Why you even just saying, God, burn my heart with what is burning your heart. God, let my eyes see what your eyes are seeing. God, let my hands be an extension of the passion that is in your heart. When last did you wake up in the morning and you were just trying to say, God, will you just nudge me by the Holy Spirit? And I'm so grateful I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful for all that you have poured in my life. And I'm so grateful to, to have you even filling my appetite. But, but God, when, when, when last did I even just ask you for what is on your heart? It starts to say, you know what? Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And did you hear what he says? All these things will be added unto you. For your heavenly father knows all the things. Your heavenly father has lavished it. He knows it. It's all in the party. You are not going to be hungry in that part. But there is something about people that hear a sound of grace. And here is sound of grace as an expression of the heart of God. And they say, if we want to live our lives for anything, we're going to live our lives as a burning passion expression of the heart of God. If I'm going to live for anything, if, if the rest of this year is going to take a shape in my life, I want it to take a shape of a man that is burning with the heart of God. I got in on something. And the ultimate of what I got in on is that it would work itself into my heart. And the conversation of grace is not just what it would do for me, but it's what it would make me. 
It would make me a man after God's own heart. When last did you just burn and look at everything happening? This is what changes the conversation. Maybe all your life you have labored thinking, I just, I just want to be rich. I just want to be rich. At some point you would realize the real thing is not to be rich, it's to be blessed. It's to be blessed. It's to be a steward. It's to be overflowing and doing so much and hardly so much. But out of an expression of what God's heart is heavy about. That I pray. That is my encouragement today, friends. I pray that we will not be people that are praying every morning for grace for today, grace for today, but we have lost the culture of that grace. And I'm speaking this to you today because we live in a world that is longing for grace to move, but is not willing to embrace the culture of grace. But I'm saying to you today, you know what? There is a culture of grace. There is something we got in on. There is what it does to us. There is how it starts to interpret life. There's what it starts to show us, how we start to see things. We live in a broken world. When last did you just carry the passion that Jesus has for the world when last did it matter to you and here we are sometimes let's even be honest with ourselves as Christians sometimes southwest Nigeria let's be honest southwest Nigeria some of you are suddenly starting to pray you know again some things happening in the country because it's coming to you when last did it matter to you that there are Christians in some places facing persecution what's wrong with us when last did you say there's nothing to pray about are you foolish what's wrong with us where did we get this kind of culture that is just so selfish? Grace is coming and it's making you selfish. Grace must be making you gracious. You read news headlines, it doesn't move your heart. It's just information. 20 people just lost their parents. It doesn't matter to you until it's somebody you know. May we not be foolish. May grace transform us to see through the eyes of God. And you're joining everybody analyzing, where is God when suffering is in the world? God is waiting for his people to stand up and represent him in the party that he has brought them in. That's where God is. God is in your heart waiting for you to move and act like somebody that is a carrier of God. God is in your heart waiting for you to pray, to intercede. When last did you? When last did it matter to you? even pray you can't pray for the church you can't pray for the gospel you can't pray for the light you can't pray for salvation of your friends nothing and you say god give me grace give me grace give me grace grace has a meaning and i pray today you will not be standing in what grace does and losing what grace means in jesus name amen 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 let's worship together this morning if you're not standing please stand with us Let's just reach out our hearts and let's just be grateful. Let's just lean over this moment. Let's be grateful for what the grace of Jesus is to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, sing it out.
what you are all about to us today, God. I just pray that you're making this room personal with people today, God. Thank you for the power of your word, and I pray that we're established in it today by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, can we all just stay standing if you're in the building, and if you're online anywhere, you can start with us in this moment. We want to honor somebody who wants to say yes to Jesus today. Somebody wants to come home to a Savior that is wide-armed, open-handed towards you today. Somebody wants to say, you know what, I'm far away from God. I'm living in the pain and the penalty and the guilt of my sin. I'm living in shame, condemnation. I'm just living life for what it is. But today, I know I need the love of a Savior. Today, I know I need to be forgiven. As you're speaking, something is saying to me, I'm far away from God. And there's only one way you can get it right. It's not by going back to work harder. It's by saying yes to Jesus. He's that door. He's that Savior that forgives, that gives you a new beginning. He is so good a Savior that it doesn't matter how far away you are right now. It doesn't matter how many times you think I've let him down. You are never the one holding him up. He's loving you today. He's inviting you today. He's welcoming you today. And I just want you to have an honest moment. It doesn't matter who you are. But if you say to me, you know what? I'm not born again. I'm not surrendered the Lord of my life to Jesus. Maybe at some point you had made that decision, but as we speak today, you know that you're far away from it and you want to be made right with God this morning. I just want you to take a chance. I want you to take an honest moment. Nobody takes a step towards God in Jesus and it's ever a wrong step. It's the right thing to do this morning. So if you're here and you say, you know what, you're speaking to me, I need to be made right with God. I'm going to ask everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes. Let's just give a friend an honest moment. If you say, you know what, that's me, you're speaking to me, where you are, I'm going to count to three. I want you to put your hand on your chest. If you're in the building, if you're online anywhere, I want you to do it. God sees you. God knows you right where you are. Are you ready? I want to be made right with God. One, two, three. Put your hand on your chest this morning. God bless you. Everybody doing that. God bless you. God bless you. It's a miracle happening in your life already. Congratulations to everybody who is doing that in this building. I believe there are people online also. Just do it wherever you are. God sees you. God bless you. Thank you for your sincerity. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else want to join in? Do that before we pray. We're all going to say a prayer together. This is a family, not a crowd. We're going to join in with you. Everybody who puts their hand on your chest, I want you to say it with all boldness, knowing that God hears your voice this morning. If you're online anywhere, watching service with friends, or you're all alone, and you want to make that decision, put your hand on your chest where you are. God sees you. God knows you. And it's a miracle that he's calling to you this morning. Are you ready? Everybody, let's say it together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. So I believe Jesus is the savior of the world. I believe he died in my place so that I can truly live. Say today, I confess Jesus as my savior and my Lord. Say please forgive me of the past. Say please give me a whole new start. Wash my slate clean. Say it's a new beginning for me. I'm a child of God. One day, I'll be with you in heaven. Say, grace is at work in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And can we celebrate that miracle this morning? Can we congratulate everybody who prayed that prayer? Congratulations. Hey, it's a miracle that just happened in your life. I'm so excited. I'm so grateful um, about that this morning. God bless you, everybody who prayed that prayer. You know what? We want to stand with you. This is a family, not a crowd. We want to stand with you, all right? On your way out of the doors, there's going to be some of our team waving this book. It's a fresh life devotional. It's just to get you started, um, a simple plan just to get you started reading your Bible, you know, building your relationship with Jesus wherever you are. 
And all you need to do is to tell them, you know what, I prayed that prayer and they'll give it to you. It's free of charge. It's a gift from our church. They'll love to know how they can pray for you or any way they can serve you. If you are online, there's already information about how you can let us know that you prayed that prayer. We'll love to know how we can serve you. But we are so proud of your decision this morning. Congratulations. You just did the right thing. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's a miracle. May we never take it for granted that people were outside and they stepped in on that door. They got in on something, people. May we never, ever take it for granted. The miracle that we see every week that we gather. Thank you, Jesus. We are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing. To find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokwemudi, please visit our website, www.sikamore.church. That's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church. Or on Facebook and YouTube at Sikamore Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sikamore underscore church. If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services.